You're listening to the SD Times podcast, What the Dev. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times, and I'm speaking today with Ev Consavoy, CEO of cloud provider Gravitational. And one of the topics we're talking about today is the challenges of multi-cloud and what the benefits are, why people need to do it, and looking at some of the, uh, again, some of the challenges that they face. Ev, how you doing? Uh, let's get started. And uh, maybe you can just kind of give us a little bit of your background. Uh, I understand you started at Rackspace and uh, how you, uh, you know, came to conclude that multi-cloud is the best strategy for people. So we came out of Rackspace and Rackspace at the time was probably a second biggest cloud provider. Like you quickly realized that no one really runs like in the same uh, cloud. Everyone has their own data centers still. Mm -hmm. um, some companies are growing their data center footprint. And at the same time, they have multiple AWS accounts, or maybe actually a lot of AWS accounts. And at the same time, they're playing with Google Cloud. And at the same time, they are renting uh, bare metal servers at uh, Rackspace, for example. And at the same time, they're using OpenStack. So most companies, they had all kinds of what I call infrastructure form factors. And it doesn't go away. Like this uh, entropy is always increasing, complexity is always growing. Uh, just imagine one company acquires another company, like everything is multiplied by two. So trying to exist in this world where you could say, we're a strictly AWS shop and all of our stuff is running in a single AWS account. That is maybe true for a tiny Silicon Valley startup in the first few months of their existence. But as you grow, mature, you... Um, uh, launching different projects, you hiring different people, you're making acquisitions, you will inevitably end up with your infrastructure being everywhere. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the problem that these organizations were having was how to um, basically run software. Um, today, cloud-native applications are so complex and so brittle, and they have so many dependencies that they actually don't run by themselves. That's why we have these DevOps teams. And usually if you look into a, like a typical engineering organization and you um, try to see how many developers are actually building software and how many engineers are actually running software doing DevOps function, like the ratio is actually close to 50-50. And, uh, and I actually did do some research and I did ask some um, engineering uh, leaders on the composition of their teams. So, it's hard enough to run a piece of cloud-native software in a single, let's say, AWS environment. Now, if you need to run it also on your own, in your own data center, maybe on bare metal, maybe on VMware, and you also want to um, run the software, let's say, on Google Cloud or Azure, and maybe you also want to sell your solutions to government, I mean, you need to be able to run on restricted AWS uh, environments that Amazon is running for government, like GovCloud and there are others. So now all these pains associated with running software, they get multiplied by many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask you a question. For very many companies, why would they need to take a multi-cloud approach? I know if you go with one vendor, let's say an Azure or an AWS, they're not only giving you the cloud platform, uh, but they're providing service on top of service on top of service where you can get basically everything you need all in one. They'll have their own uh, Kubernetes. They'll have their own uh, other services that they provide. And so what is the benefit 
uh, to a lot of these companies. I know some of them it's regulatory. They have to keep some things, let's say, in their own data center or they have privacy issues that they're still not convinced there's great security in the cloud, even though I'm told there is. Um, so what are some of the reasons that, that companies that don't face compliance issues and whatever would want to adopt the multi-cloud strategy? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have to guess. I will just basically go back in time and try to remember some of the conversations I had with others. But before I do, let's just make an observation that to be successful in the cloud business, and I know this because I come from Rackspace, it's all about the volume. If you have enough volume, then you can go and you can force Intel to give you better deals than CPUs, for example. And the same mm -hmm. thing for Flash. And like all of these components that go into data centers, you get them for less money if you sell volume, which right. means that cloud providers are inevitably, they're forced to look at this. Uh, they don't serve long tail. Like if they're putting like a, like a piece of uh, infrastructure out there, it needs to be something that most people want. So in this distribution of uh, hardware or infrastructure needs, cloud providers are really good at providing you with 20% of what's possible that is needed by 80% of people, okay? So the one reason then when some companies cannot use clouds and they want to, in addition to cloud, have their own uh, data centers is because they want certain infrastructure capabilities that are simply not given to them in the cloud because it's impossible to do at scale. There's a lot of stuff happening with GPU computing because their GPU is actually advancing so quickly that almost anything that happens in the cloud today becomes obsolete very quickly. So if you want to run workloads that need uh, accelerated compute like GPUs or maybe FPGAs, yeah, doing it in your own data center, especially if you already have in-house expertise, is a no-brainer. So I would say one reason is access to interesting hardware capabilities that cloud providers do not provide. Mm -hmm. Another one is cost. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I was talking to a gaming company, and they basically said, look, uh, like we're going to launch this game on Amazon, but if the, for the next one, if Google gives us a better deal, we're going to move to Google. We don't really want to be married to a single provider forever. That's especially like, true if, 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 you know, if a game is uh, free-to-play. Right. So being able to uh, move to the best, <clears throat> uh, basically treating cloud providers as commodity compute providers and picking the uh, cheapest uh, per project is a, is a good uh, um, flexibility to have. Yeah, a lot of people indicate, though, that um, you know, the cost savings initially is there, but if you stay with the cloud long enough and you start adding service on top of service and something else that very quickly... Uh, the cloud benefits can go away, or let's say you you uh, you know bring up an instance and use it just briefly, but then don't shut it off, and you're just paying. For it. <laughs> that is true. But like those things are not technology limitations, aren't they? Right. Those things are process and human mistake limitations, because everything that you just mentioned is absolutely possible. Uh, like if you if you rack your own servers, yeah, you could buy too many, and then you not utilizing what you have. And um, so as a technologist, I prefer to focus on um, the problems that we can actually solve with technology. And I believe that if you want to have solid cost management in the cloud, it's possible. Like if you don't have it, that's basically your own fault. <laughs> so let's just kind of concentrate on reasons why um, multi-cloud should be on everyone's mind. Another reason is geography. Believe it or not, like you don't always have AWS uh, data center nearby. 
And if you need to serve markets uh, where that is not the case um, and your application requires certain uh, latency and it requires maybe for regulatory reasons, again, to be in a specific geography in a specific country. So then, yeah, like uh, clouds are not going to work. So, uh, Ev, I understand that uh, portability within a single cloud is, is a big challenge for folks. And, and why is that? Like moving it from one account to another, why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. And that's true even for enterprise use case. Like average-sized company we talked to recently, they had over 100 AWS accounts. So moving workloads from one to another is a huge pain point for them. Why is that? Imagine like back in the day, like before we had clouds, like when all of our software was running locally. Like let's say you're developing an application. Maybe it's Microsoft Excel. Maybe it's Adobe Photoshop. You know, a complex app that does a lot of valuable things. Right. It has millions of lines of code and uh, the sizable engineering. So your application needs certain capability. Let's say some kind of like local database or like a stream sorting function. So these things, like you're not going to re-implement them from scratch. You basically say, well, for my application to work, I need these things. So there are dependencies. And what we used to do, we would basically bundle these dependencies with the application. Like you would link them in. And a lot of these um, open source software licenses like GPL, they use that linking mechanism to basically propagate themselves into everything that touches them. But that's besides the point. <laughs> but the, the point I'm making is that developers used to take all of application dependencies and bundle them with applications. And that allowed them to make no assumptions on the underlying hardware the application was running on. Like as long as it had Windows, as long as it had like Mac OS, you could just give your software to other people. So moving software from one computer to another was just not a problem. Right. And in fact, this capability was not given to us like in the beginning of when we started doing computing. Like early computers, they didn't have operating systems. Like if you bought a machine from IBM like in the 60s, you're buying software from IBM as well. It was all bundled like um, as one thing. But then when we invented operating systems and we separate software from hardware, so then we, like, we basically unlocked this in- incredible software uh, innovation wave and companies like Microsoft were created. So we had this amazing capabilities to move software <laughs> from one computer to another. But then when we moved, started moving to the server, here's what I think happened. But just, I would just imagine that there was a developer who was building like one of the earliest server applications. And then um, that developer needed, let's say, database. And uh, back in the day, like servers had system administrators. And the developer um, would just reach out to that sysadmin uh, sys and say, hey, can you um, uh, put a database of that machine? Because my application needs it. And the sysadmin said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So then developer continues to work and then starts to think, like, I might probably need like a message key or something. And like, hey, can you also put like a message key on that machine for me? So what started to happen is that application dependencies, instead of being bundled with applications, they now started being bundled with infrastructure. Right. And you started having these special people who would buy servers from Dell and then they would talk to you and then they would uh, figure out what your application needs to run. And then they would go and pre-install all these things on those servers. I- initially, it was done manually, and it was like, mm-hmm. extremely annoying. 
And then we built better tools uh, uh, for it, uh, like Ansible and Puppet and so on and so forth. But the basic idea is that application now says, my dependency is a sandwich of technologies that needs to exist in a certain place. No longer you could say that my application runs on Linux. You basically need to say, my application needs a cluster of like 17 servers or 12 servers, whatever. Like it needs a Regis uh, um, cache, and it needs RabbitMQ, and it needs Nginx, and it needs Postgres, and it also needs Kafka, and it needs, it needs like a lot of things. And all of those things, they are expected to be prepared for you. And they expect it to be bundled with that infrastructure. So that's, um, th that's basically what happened. And cloud providers, they now acting pretty much like IBM in the 60s, that they are selling you the whole sandwich. Right. They're selling, here's a bunch of servers. And also, you can click all these checkboxes. We're going to preload them. We're going to preload your environment with all of these different things. And that's why our applications are not portable anymore. Right. The answer is, if you want your software to freely move between all these different clouds, first of all, you have to pick dependencies that are open. What I mean by open is mostly open standards and open software. I'm sorry, open source if you can. Yeah. So this allows you to take them from one cloud provider to another. And the second thing, like think about how you can bundle all of these things with your application. Like, I'm not saying a linking it into your application because that's a very technical term. Uh, and it's not really like even possible for interpreted languages. But think about how all of like, that whole sandwich that your application needs to run. How can you move it around easily? So one of our pro products called Gravity, it allows you to do exactly like that. So what it, it basically turns the sandwich upside down and it says, start with your application. Then uh, we allow you to bundle Kubernetes into your app as a library. It's not a special layer on top of infrastructure that needs to be prepared by a special team, that needs to be managed by another team, um, adding cost and complexity and headache. No, it's just a library that you don't have to worry about. And then inject all other components that you need, you know, like Redis, RabbitMQ, Nginx, whatever you want, into your application as well. And then you run the build process and you end up with a single file. So that's your deployable artifact. Right. So this thing only needs just a bunch of servers. Right. It has no assumptions on what kind of things are going to be exist in those servers. So your approach is now again to go back to bundling those things with the application as opposed exactly. to relying on the application. Exactly. We believe that if we don't do that, we're going to end up in a very dark state. I met a really smart software um, engineer, um, an entrepreneur a couple of days ago. And he was, uh, he was sad a little bit where he told me like, hey man, like the only way to make money now is to bundle your stuff with infrastructure. In other words, like if you have a useful piece of software, the only way for you to sell it is to put it on some servers in Amazon and, uh, and charge people act for access, basically software as a service. Um, and I, and no one is happy about it. Mm -hmm. You want your software to be uh, freely moving uh, and be able to run it everywhere. Because at the end of the day, um, isn't that what we used to have and now we lost it and, and, and now we're struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's one of our products that simply allows you to bundle all of your application components and um, 
and run it on any infrastructure. And, and I know right your, now, other, your other product tends to deal more with uh, access management and how people can gain access. It's actually like one uh, follows the other, but I'll just give you an example. How would you use uh, Gravity or the technology I'm talking about? So let's say you have your application that is incredibly complex. It has several multi, um, um, several microservices. It has some dependencies, middleware components, maybe databases. Okay, so you packaged it with Gravity as a single deployable unit. So now if someone comes to you and says, I want your application on my Amazon account, you say, no problem, like here's this thing. You can just download this file, double click on it, and it will run by itself inside of your Amazon account. So the question that person will have, well, how do I get software updates? And that's where our second product comes in. So the second product comes actually, like the gravity includes our second product, which is called Teleport. So Teleport allows you to connect many, many, many cloud environments together. And when I say cloud environments, I mean things like AWS accounts, Azure accounts, Google accounts, bare metal servers, or even smart things like Raspberry Pis and self-driving trucks. So Teleport allows you to have this secure connectivity across all of these environments. And it gives you capabilities like SSH. And it gives you capabilities like Kubernetes access. So it allows company to have their privileged access management story. That's the official name of the market. How their developers can securely access infrastructure that they need to push their applications out. So even though, yes, on the surface, we have these two products. One allows you to package applications in a dependency uh, in the free way. So they're like fully contained uh, kind of virtual appliances that you can run on any cloud account. And the second component allows you to connect things together. Interesting. Uh, let me ask you a question. So it, it, would you say that your product set is geared more towards, I guess, the IT folks working in DevOps teams? Or is it, is it really uh, for developers? Or where do you position yourself like in that world? So Gravity, the product that allows you to package application to be running in this kind of uncharted territories, that's definitely a product for developers. So you would use Gravity with your CICD pipeline that every time you build the application, you get this artifact that could run without your infrastructure, uh, without you anywhere in the world. But Teleport, it's basically a modern replacement for um, SSH. And everyone uses SSH. Developers use SSH. DevOps people use SSH. System administrators use SSH. Like the, in, the internet is managed via SSH. The Teleport provides you SSH protocol and also newer protocols like Kubernetes. So if you're migrating from um, like SSH method of deployment more than to Kubernetes method of deployment, how do you actually have secure and compliant access to uh, dozens or maybe even thousands of environments, clusters, um, because securing infrastructure is actually um, um, it's a it's a it's a hard skill uh, to recruit for. Having a competent infrastructure security team is a luxury now because everyone has infrastructure. Everyone's infrastructure is growing, but not everyone can afford top security talent. Um, so Teleport is incredibly easy to use solution that doesn't require you to have massive uh, security team to adopt and understand and run and manage. So Teleport gives you like industry best practices, how to securely push code 
into any kind of cloud environment or your own data center. So that's what Teleport is. It's like a security team in the box. Right. It's a single file. It's a, um, I love that. Like, it's a, like we have this philosophy that software should be able to run anywhere by itself without any management. And Teleport is exactly that. It's this file that you put on all your servers, and then you magically get this capability that you can access everything and have full security and compliance and um, like audit capabilities. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty magical. Yeah, that's great. All right, let me, uh, can I just get you to pronounce your, your last name? Uh, I am Ev Consovoy. Okay, and you're so, CEO, right? Yes, so <clears throat> basically silent T, and that's the secret, Consovoy. Mm -hmm. Great. How long have you guys been around? So I've been around for like four and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I said, I think I ran into... Uh, uh, Mika, I think it might have been either at the DevOps Summit in Las Vegas or perhaps uh, the Kubernetes conference mm -hmm. or perhaps the Gartner Infrastructure Show. I know it was one of those three. Um, so uh, do you guys, do you guys uh, go to a lot of these uh, industry events? So we go to a select few where we tend to bump into people who do have problems that we could help them with. So KubeCon and RSA are probably two conferences that we try to be most active at. All right. Well, Ev, listen, I appreciate your time very much. Very interesting conversation. Thank you. Pleasure meeting you. Appreciate it. Take care.